0: Have you ever wanted to connect with someone, but you stopped yourself? Excuses to connect is a podcast about actively creating the conditions that make meaningful connections easier. In other words, you can make excuses to connect. Join me, Richard Lee Tai, as I have conversations with experts, friends and strangers on their struggles and successes when it comes to human connections. As a listener, I hope that you can take these insights and find excuses to connect with more people. After all, You never know how any connection can transform your life. Welcome to episode 28 of the Excuses to Connect podcast. I'd like to start off by asking you, the listener, a question. What do you think of the current state of the world? You might think that there's increasingly more division and an us versus them mentality that's permeating the world. Bringing up topics like politics and religion can quickly spiral into shouting matches of who's right and who's wrong. My guest on today's episode takes a different approach. Corey Nathan is the host of a podcast called Talking Politics and Religion Without Killing Each Other. His aim is to have a home for engaging conversations about the topics that matter most in our culture. He talks about the screamers that are taking all the oxygen out of the room, and instead he wants to have civil conversations that explore nuance and understand different points of view. In this episode, we do a deep dive into connecting across differences and how to have human-to-human conversations with people whose beliefs might differ significantly from our own. This is Talking Politics and Religion Without Killing Each Other with Corey Nathan. Well, hello, Corey. Welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm
1: doing great, Richard. Thanks for having me on.
0: Yeah. So I know you're a fellow podcaster as well, and you run a podcast called Talking Politics and Religion Without Killing Each Other. So I'd like to start off by asking, what's the story behind you starting this podcast?
1: Yeah, it's it's a real passion of mine. Because for a long time, I've realized that it, whether it's politics or religion or some of these topics that are really hard for us to talk about
0: mm-hmm.
1: there aren't a lot of us have these issues you know whether it's you know I have a strong opinion on on gun violence or tax policy or foreign policy or mm-hmm. minimum wage or any number of things I realize that you know we're losing the ability to talk to each other across our differences right and we're we're losing the ability to say, well, you know, I voted for this proposition or this politician. Oh, I voted for the other one. I voted the other way. Mm -hmm. And then we make all of these assumptions about what's underneath all of that and and everything else about that other human being that we're talking to. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to reclaim some space in our public square, if you will, to be able to have these conversations on a human to human level. Mm-hmm. To be able to highlight some people that aren't extremists, that aren't what I call screamers, mm-hmm. and, and understand and appreciate each other's nuance. And we might still disagree on how we might end up voting, for example, mm-hmm. but we can appreciate each other on a human level and, right. and celebrate those voices as opposed to the voices that get on uh, primetime on, on Fox News or MSNBC or what have you. Mm-hmm. you know. So that's yep. what talking politics and religion without killing each other
0: is. Awesome. And I, I'm curious over the course of you doing all these episodes, if there's certain strategies or tips that have emerged that you've learned.
1: You know, we have guests on. So we've had mm. some high profile public figures to, you know, regular folks like me. And I, I have a tendency to start with their story. The mm. guest who's who's on, I want to know about them, where they're from how they grew up, how, what formed, what formative experiences did they have? Mm-hmm. And I try to do some research to prep in advance. So sometimes I'll have maybe a surprising question about uh, something they said about their grandfather or something like that, just something that yep. maybe they're not expecting to maybe open them up. And I've learned from some of my best guests where they sort of turn it around on me. Some of the most intelligent just goodwilled people, they have a knack for turning it around on me and mm-hmm. asking me the questions. Mm-hmm. And, and what's, what that has told me is genuine curiosity mm-hmm. is, a, is a good thing. Curiosity about other human beings is a good thing. Mm-hmm. And instead of talking to someone about their worst moments and making them account for it, or, yep. ta- you know, bringing up, you know, whatever, uh, a controversial issue right away and diving it into it and mm-hmm. trying to get a, a soundbite. You're connecting on a human to human level, right? you know, and that curiosity that is, is related to empathy. And that's, it's an ingredient and a, and a virtue mm-hmm. that we could all benefit from more of, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. So, yes, I definitely agree on this curiosity and empathy element because it can be very easily easy to generalize. of like, these people are like this. (laughs) People that (laughs) vote for this party behave in this way, which really removes all the sort of nuance and the personal story, as you mentioned, of why they came to those beliefs in the first place and why they're passionate about those beliefs. And I'm curious for you if through the course of interacting with all these different guests on a human-to-human level, if any of your beliefs have changed like something you originally disagreed with, and then the other person was able to show you another perspective. You know, I I wouldn't
1: say that it happens with one conversation where my mm-hmm. views on a certain subject changes 180 degrees. Mm-hmm. But it's amazing how often my views are not changed, but maybe evolved or grow by one degree, right? Or or move in a different direction by one degree. I talked to a fellow named Joe Walsh, who was a a U.S. congressman. He was part of the Tea Party crowd and had said some pretty provocative things in his time here and there. And he and I feel differently about immigration and guns, two very hot button issues. Mm -hmm. And in talking to him, at the very least, I understood his thinking behind how he's voted and probably will continue to vote. And I, I think his willingness what to listen to what informed my views on those subjects. I usually start with a theological before I get to my social and political preferences. Mm -hmm. And, and I think he appreciated that. And it, I think both of us maybe hit the brakes instead of, you know, instead of pull the trigger, if you will. Yeah. And and it was cool because we walked away not only with a better understanding of each other, but Mm -hmm. also a better understanding of the issues. It equipped us to Mm -hmm. understand the larger topics and then be able to relate to other people a right. little bit better, so that was one. Also, you know, we had we've we've had guests from classically conservative, you know, the conservative movement or the neoconservative movement, and talking to them has enabled me to dive into other literature. Edmund Burke is is a philosopher that I hadn't looked into that mm-hmm. much, and it's been really eye opening just to just to learn new things, you know. Right. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, sort of to summarize what I'm hearing from you, it's like instead of seeing things from black and this black and white perspective or us versus them perspective, it's seeing with more nuance and these different perspectives that you can have on that same issue.
1: Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And and behind those people that you might see on those, you know, primetime shows, yeah. the Bill Crystals and the Matt Lewis. And Sarah Isger and, you know, all mm-hmm. these folks have been blessed us by coming on our program. And and, and you know, you could take someone like Sarah Isger, who who was in the Trump administration mm-hmm. for a good bit of time and just assume, oh, she was part of the Trump administration. She's part of the problem. This yeah. is a really interesting person. This is mm-hmm. a this is someone who is fighting the good fight. You know, this is someone who is an Ivy League school trained attorney from whom I've learned so much about the conservative legal movement, I never would have gotten there without being able to talk to another human being like that. And you could say the same thing about people in the philosophical theological realm as well. Ideas or concepts that I might not have otherwise really taken seriously. I've been given the opportunity to meet people who um, think differently than I do and have given me material to dive into, to learn more about it, And Mm -hmm. I just think that's a good thing, you know, to, to be open-minded to the possibility that someone isn't completely villainous if they Mm -hmm. vote differently than I do or go to
0: a different church than I do. So Mm -hmm. that's, that's the idea. I'd like to take a bit deeper with this too, because I, I imagine the people that are coming onto your podcast, they already have this intention of having an open dialogue, but for, let's say it's just in your day-to-day life and you have an interaction on like a sensitive topic. And the person says to you, I disagree with you. I think you're totally wrong. How could you think that? Like if they're approaching it from this co- sort of confrontational aspect on whatever the issue is, I'm curious then how how would you approach or diffuse that?
1: Well, for one thing, I'm not under the illusion or delusion mm-hmm. that I can win over every individual. Right At the end of the day, there are some folks that really, they are so committed to keeping their dukes up. Mm. I, I can't, there's nothing for me to do there because I, I don't want to engage mm-hmm. on that level. Right. I don't want to engage on a contentious combative level. Mm-hmm. I want to have a dialogue with another human being. Right. So I find, I find that that is disarming. If I simply say, Hey, listen, I, that's cool. You know, <laughs> And, and it's happened from like a number of different angles, extremists yeah. and screamers, as I use the terms, you know, can come from any number of viewpoints. I had an exchange with someone the other day that that went from something that was said in one of our conversations. I forgot what the reference was, but she went from something irresponsible that someone said about the 2016 election. And mm-hmm. that person was accountable for it. He, he was 100 percent accountable you know, has has apologized for it, but she made the jump of saying, "Well, he said this," and then very quickly she went to child rapists and Nazis. <laughs> you mm. know, I'm like whoa, 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 slow your roll there. Right, you know, he yeah. said something stupid. He knows he said something stupid. He apologized for it, and he's actually part of the good fight now. He's part of you know healing what's what's wrong in our culture. But mm-hmm. but you can't let that go to the extent that you're relating what like one tweet, basically with mm-hmm. child rapists and Nazis. Right. So for a person like that, I, I don't know if there's much I can do other than to maybe use that conversation as an illustration of the type of disposition or the type of posture not to have. But mm-hmm. a lot of times when someone approaches me with, I've been approached with like in my church, um, a question will will, multiple times, I've been asked a question that starts with, why do all you and then fill in the blank. So at church, Mm -hmm. you know, Uh I grew up Jewish and and became a Christian. So at church, why do all you Jews fill in the blank? Why do all you Jews vote Democrat? Um, And I'm like, (laughs) well, I don't know. First of all, if I can speak for all Jews, Mm -hmm. second of all, you know, we're all different. You know, we're all different people. Some vote this way, some vote that way. I drive this kind of car. They like, we're all so different. So I'll speak for myself. And then all of a sudden it's disarming. You know, I'm not trying to speak as an authority, but mm-hmm. it's also in, in a winsome way is, is exhorting that person to re-examine their assumptions and re-examine those generalizations. Mm-hmm. The same thing happened. I was at a poker tournament, not a tournament. It was a, just a night of poker in, in yep. and uh, industry event. And at the end of the, it was a Saturday night. At the end of the event, I said, hey guys, I, I got to take off going to church tomorrow. Got to get up early. Mm -hmm. And I said church and the gal sitting next to me assumed a lot, a bunch of different things. Mm. And she started the same, the same way. Why do all you people, you know, and then it was a question Uh about Trump. I'm like, okay. (laughs) So first of all, not a big Trump fan, but you know, I'm not sure why you made that connect. I, I said, I think I actually said I can understand why you might make that connection, Mm. but you know, let me ask you, you know, so to that time, it didn't go perfectly, but, but my, my intention there, again, was to turn down the heat a little bit mm-hmm. and then to ask a question of her, why did you why did you make that connection? Mm-hmm. I'm just curious why you made that connection. And then, again, by asking a question, you, you the person, same sort of thing, the person is put in the position of questioning their own assumptions, mm-hmm. you know, questioning what they've brought into. The, the interaction uh, and then it's a, a more open exchange mm-hmm. you know so that, that's the idea is ultimately a human to human exchange as opposed to this ping pong contest of I'm gonna make a point and you're gonna make a point and you know yeah that, that that's goes, just adding fuel to the fire <laughs> it, it goes it, it literally goes nowhere yeah. you know and and nobody really scores any points right so it's it's better to connect. to your, you know, it's what you're doing, man. It's, Mm -hmm. it's when everything is about making a point or you see things through a contentious lens, like this is a contest Mm -hmm. and I'm playing for my side and I'm going to say the thing that's going to convince this person or convince anybody else who's watching or listening or reading. No, you're you're really not. It's just a, it's literally just a ping pong thing and and it just goes nowhere, you know? So
0: I agree. Actually, earlier this week, I was recording a podcast with someone else and they brought up this concept of finding the point C. So I might come in with my perspective of point A and the second person comes in with their perspective of point B. It's not a matter of me trying to convince my point A is better than theirs or theirs is better than mine. It's finding a third option, a third perspective that we can both both adopt and something that we both can only come up with. So that's, that's how I sort of see this as well. It's like, is there a common ground? Well, you know, it's it's a
1: great, it's a great point that you make (laughs) a point, but, (laughs) but I was in a conversation just recently with two really impressive women. One is a, a very accomplished musician and they have this, this, this podcast called what the folk and to be fair, philosophically and probably politically, they come from a de- very different perspective mm. than than I do. But they, there was one, a couple of different moments when one of the hosts used the term, "Let me gently pause it." <laughs> mm. let, let me gently pause it, and and it was it was a very different point of view than one that I was expressing, and it was it was an, a way to enter into this other possibility. Right. And when I've, when I've been able to do that most successfully, it's, it's around kind of the structure. It's kind of a generalization. I might've picked it up from a Dale Carnegie book or something like that, mm. but I call it feel felt found. Mm. And it, it, it actually causes me to abide by a level of empathy, compassion, understanding, You know, somebody says something that is way off the mark of -hmm. of what I'm thinking or maybe what I said. So I force myself to say, I understand how you feel. I would have felt the same way if I was in that situation. And it's forcing me to like really think Mm -hmm. about their point of view Mm -hmm. and what they were thinking and feeling and going through in that situation. And before I get to the found, here's what I found. I understand Mm -hmm. how you feel. I would have felt the same way if I was in the same in, in that situation. Here's what I found. Before I get to that, mm-hmm. I have to go through those steps of understanding the person that I'm trying to connect with. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Feel, felt, found. It's a, it's it's just an easy way for me to remember right. to connect with someone truly before I earn the right to offer maybe a different what what I might be thinking. Right. And by the time, frankly, by the time I get there, I might, I might be more understanding of them and, and realize that what I found wouldn't necessarily work for that person. And that's okay too.
0: Right. Now I love, I love that structure framework of feel, felt, found. I've never heard of it before. So I'm, I'm going to add that to my toolkit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Earlier, you were mentioning how you were raised as in a Jewish household and now you're a Christian. So I, I'm, I'm curious if you could share with listeners about that transition and also navigating any conversations where you came into disagreement.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, so first the, how how that transition, as you call it, came about, Mm -hmm. I, I grew up very observant. We kept kosher. We observed holidays. We kept the Sabbath or Shabbos. And as we say in Yiddish, but I, I think it's fair to say that as soon as I started thinking about bigger ideas, questions emerged. And mm-hmm. sometimes those questions were in the form of, they had a little bit more of a flavor of, I don't know, criticism or mm-hmm. what would you call it, cynicism, even?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then in my 20s, I really started to grapple with some of these bigger existential questions. You know, how did this whole thing get started? What is wrong with the universe? Is there something going on that's healing what's wrong with the universe? Is there, you know, life after death and, you know, just the big questions. Mm -hmm. And so I I had a, I always had a habit of sort of being a truth seeker in that regard. And fast forward to in my late twenties, I was um, just starting to get going in business. And I had uh, one fellow in particular that was a mentor of mine. Mm-hmm. And I, I just I really respected this guy. Great dad, great husband, great in the community, successful mm-hmm. business person. You know, all these things that I was trying to embody myself, like just mm-hmm. th- those, those were important attributes that I wanted to be able to manifest in my own life. He happened to be Jewish, grew up Jewish, and became a Christian. And I never addressed it, it just bothered me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so so it came to a head because I would ask him for book recommendations. You know, I want, he's the first one that recommended I read Dale Carnegie, you know, a lot of different ways that he was mentoring me. But I noticed that a lot of the books, almost all of them were what I considered Jesus books. Mm. So if it was a book about marketing or if it was a book about financial um, frugality or being a better husband, any, they were all Jesus books. They had like new Testament scripture. So finally I just asked the guy, I said, listen, you know, can you like avoid these Jesus books? I mean, I know that that whole Christian thing is good for you, but like, listen, I'm Jewish and that's what I am. And that's who I am. And he gave me a book. (laughs) I see. And basically the book was, it it was making, it's a book by a guy named Josh McDowell. And it was making this empirical case for the life, death and resurrection of Jesus. Mm. And I wasn't, I was thoroughly unimpressed. It pissed me off. But what it did was it opened the door for me to explore this in a much more earnest way. Not just to explore the possibility that Jesus existed and was who he said he was, but to explore the theology and the philosophy underneath these the claims that Jesus was making. And it was a serious endeavor. It was a serious pursuit for a good six, eight, ten months even, hmm. where I had this voracious reading habit, reading theology and more, more empirical cases. I was reading counterpoints to it. I was also look kind of revisiting other worldviews and religions and Mm -hmm. philosophies that I had explored in the past. And long story short, after months and months of this, I came to the conclusion that some of the answers to those basic questions that Christianity presented, at least the teachings of Jesus Mm -hmm. was more coherent and cohesive than anything else I'd come across And it really came to a head when I, after all this time, I still hadn't read the New Testament, but when I cracked it open, the first book I read was uh, the book, uh, the letter that James wrote. And it Mm -hmm. started, it was a good one for me to read because it's written explicitly to Jewish people and um, grapples with ideas that someone like me might grapple with faith versus work kind of thing. But then after that, I started at the beginning of the New Testament, Matthew, and when I came to Matthew 5, where the famous Sermon on the Mount, I didn't even know it was a Sermon on the Mount. Mm. I didn't know what the Sermon on the Mount was, but I recognized that that teaching that Jesus was giving as a Devar Torah. I had grown up in the Orthodox tradition and read from the Torah three times a week. And the rabbi gives an explanation, like a Devar Torah, called it a Devar Torah. Mm-hmm. And I just thought the Sermon on the Mount was the most brilliant Devar Torah I'd ever read. Mm-hmm. So that's, it it was within a day or two max that I, I prayed a really clumsy prayer. (laughs) I was used to structured prayers as a Jew, Mm -hmm. but my, my friend told me, no, man, just talk to God. So I, I talked to God and just whatever clumsy thing I said, I believe. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't know, it was, it was just a really awkward conversation, but you know, if God is God, then I think God can hear even the clumsiest of, of Mm. prayers and conversations. And the next morning I told miss Lisa, my lovely bride, my wife, I think I'm a Christian. (laughs) And she said, well, if you think I'm going to church every Sunday, you got another thing coming. So she wasn't, she wasn't open to it at that time, but (laughs) that's a whole other conversation, but, but yeah, so there were folks in particular, my dad who was very averse to this Mm. And, and that's natural, you know, listen our family, you know i had cousins you know cousins removed that died in the holocaust mm-hmm. my fam my immediate family i grew up my grandmother survived pogroms in russia you know these and and all of these historic atroc- atrocities even going back to prior centuries were committed often at the hands of you know hoarding men that mm-hmm. that were swinging swords and beheading our ancestors and you know raping our great-grandparents and and it was men wearing crosses on their chests. Mm-hmm. So there's this sort of cultural DNA for for Jews that w- we're not just Jewish by definition we are sort of anti-christian. Mm-hmm. So that impulse mm-hmm. not not just that we have to perpetuate our Judaism and our Jewish identity but that we are, we are protecting ourselves from those people who worship the cross, mm-hmm. you know? So there's a lot of that weight and a lot of that cultural baggage that, that was part of this uphill climb. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I have to say, and I'm sorry about the long-winded answer, but oh, I think no, it's that's worth, okay. <laughs> yeah. But I have to say that it was my dad's inclination that brought us back together in a way and, and helped clear the path for us to have this long, sometimes heated, sometimes very heated dialogue, but mm-hmm. ongoing dialogue. And it was his impulse to value our relationship over his convic- over his other convictions, mm-hmm. whether they be cultural or, or political convictions. <laughs> you know, <laughs> excuse me, one of the things my mother said when I first told her I was a Christian is, our son is a born again Republican, you know, (laughs) immediately making that connection between, you know, they're hardcore Democrats, but she, she immediately made that connection. You know, so Mm -hmm. there are political ramifications to it, Mm -hmm. but that, that inclination to value the, my father's relationship with his son Mm -hmm. was what could cut through all of that, all of that, you know, clutter, if you will, all, Mm -hmm. all of the, the weeds to, to, to walk this path together, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Well, thank, thank you for sharing all that, because I think it highlights these dynamics that we were talking about earlier of like, how do you bridge these gaps and have civil conversations with people that disagree, especially in this context that you just mentioned that there's a lot of baggage associated with it between uh, Jews and Christians. And you emphasize in this aspect of relationship, being able to cut through all of that. So, cause I know one other thing that's important to you and that you emphasize to me as well is this difference between relational and transactional connections. And so I'm wondering if you could touch on that as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, that, that's something that has been a little bit more clear in my professional relationships. Mm-hmm. You know, oftentimes we reach out to someone and we're maybe looking for a new job. So whether it's someone we know or someone new that we're reaching out to, we're looking for a transaction. Hey, you're hiring new people like me? No? Okay, done. Mm -hmm. That's a transaction. But if you're looking, let's just use, let's explore that for a bit. If you're looking for a new gig, Mm -hmm. a good process to go through is the more relational approach to that. You, You have a much higher chance of not only getting a meeting, but also landing a gig and beyond that landing a gig that you're actually really into mm-hmm. if you follow this process w- what a good way to go about it is to identify companies that are doing work that you're really interested in mm-hmm. and then if you take if you take stock of your own circle of influence and maybe one circle beyond that you know meaning people that you know mm-hmm. and people that you're one step removed of people that you you know their people mm-hmm. and then start reaching out to those folks based on folks that you think are smart, interesting, good people, you know doing cool work, talented what have you, things that you value mm-hmm. and those people embody those those virtues, those qualities, right And if you reach out to those people that are working in cool companies that are doing work that you're really interested in and you say, hey, are they hiring? No end of conversation Mm -hmm. but if you reach out to that person and say hey man it's i can't believe it's already it's been since the beginning of the apocalypse since we started you know (laughs) and just kind of touch base with them and say it was really cool like celebrating new year's 2020 with you but i'd love to catch up with you you know Mm -hmm. i see you're doing this cool thing you did that poster for you know the last marvel movie or i don't know i see that you invented Uh, a replacement to Coca-Cola. I I don't know, whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you touch base with that person on a specific level that might be uplifting to them without flat out kissing their butt. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, you might, you might even, the second part of it might be just a real quick blurb of what you've been up to, but I sometimes skip that part. Like, or if the person doesn't know me, sometimes Mm -hmm. I skip who I am because that's not really important. But what is important is, Hey, this is, I, I was interested in reaching out to you because you're working on some cool stuff or you're doing some cool things. And then what are you looking for? I'm just looking to buy you a cup of coffee. I'm looking to buy you lunch. I'm looking to mm-hmm. hop on zoom and spend an hour with you and bend your ear about how you approach that. And what that's doing is it's planting the seed for all you're looking for is a conversation. Mm-hmm. And what a conversation is, is, it's a seed or or if you look at a relationship as a ladder, it's one rung Mm. up further up the ladder of a relationship Mm -hmm. because the most valuable things come from relationships. Mm -hmm. You know, you could say like in in the entertainment industry where I've been for a long time, you could say cynically, Oh, you got to know people. Yeah, you do. Yeah. (laughs) Because if I have a lot riding on a, you know, I have friends that are responsible for opening $200 million movies. Mm -hmm. They're not going to, They're not going to take a risk on somebody that they don't know whose work isn't proven, Mm -hmm. whose work isn't proven in the bay with them, you know. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it is who you know. But the good news is you can nurture those relationships. Mm -hmm. You can earn that credibility and and get into the room. There's more opportunity than ever. But if it's simply like banging the phones and dialing for dollars, it's just not going to happen. Yep. So I think you can translate that to non-professional circles,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, you know, and, and it makes life, it makes, it makes life that much more rich, mm-hmm. that, that much more, you know, when, when you go through hard times, it, it makes them less, less dark, you know, when you're going through good times, it's, it's that much more rich because you get to celebrate it with people that, that you have meaningful relationships with, that's celebrate mm-hmm. it with you, you know. So mm-hmm. relational over transactional, if you're always looking for a transaction, you might make a sale. Great. How far is that going to get you, right. you know? And listen, we all got to pay our mortgage and, or yeah. rent or whatever it is, but I don't know. Those things are, are much less meaningful than being able to go through life with people that, that you love, you admire, people, you know, I, I think I said to you uh, on one, like people that You make me want like that. What was that? As good as it gets, Jack Nicholson. You make me want to be a better man. (laughs) Yes, my really bad Jack Nicholson impression. (laughs) Uh,
0: Well, I I think it showcases this point of planting a seed, which actually, funnily enough, is my analogy for this 2022 as well of patiently cultivating seeds. Yeah, because those last for the long term, right? Transactional relationships a one off thing, but through focusing on relational connections, you're growing with this person. You're, they'll be there for you, as you said, in the tough times and there with you to celebrate in the good times. So I think that is much more meaningful and foundational for our well-being than just yeah. these one-off interactions with people. Having said that, I know part of your professional career as well, you, you told me that you're making connections with people out of your league, <laughs> like yeah. these presidents, these C level executives. In that case, I'm wondering how you approached it then.
1: Right, right. There were these instances where I was doing a search, whether it was to do a small scale merger or to fill a a big position for another company. Mm -hmm. And I had to either recruit someone at that level or or engage in conversation with someone at that level, or even just get a reference from someone at that level. Mm -hmm. So I, especially at the beginning of my career, it was hard. The hardest part about it was the mindset of they'll never want to talk to me. Mm -hmm. Or if they, if I actually get on the phone with them, I'm going to sound like an idiot or the fear of rejection, them not Mm -hmm. wanting to talk to me Mm -hmm. or the fear of apathy. Like I don't matter. I don't exist. Kind of a thing. There's Mm -hmm. so many different negative thoughts that enter into the equation. so. Before I went too far down that road, I would just pick up the phone or I would just type out the email and, you know, and a lot of times it it would come to a head when I got an executive assistant on the phone. Mm -hmm. And by the way, just as a side note, a lot of times really good, smart executive assistants end up running studios. So talking to those folks as individuals, as human beings of worth, not just trying to get through them. Yep. is really worth the time. I mean, literally the guy who runs all of Sony right now, the movie side, is mm-hmm. a guy that I first got to know as the assistant mm-hmm. of, of this little mini major in New York.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, but anyway, you know, so that, that's actually part of it, getting to the executive assistant. And oftentimes, well, is, you know, so-and-so expecting your call? You know, you could BS that person and try to get through that way. And you might fool, you know, someone who's not paying attention every now and then. Mm-hmm. That's the exception to the rule. More often than not, my when I learned how to say, if there was a point of connection, I would say it, but oftentimes there wasn't, especially earlier on in my career, I would just say, no. Mm-hmm. you know, so why are you calling? <laughs> What's the purpose of your call? And then I, I would tell them I, I would I would go I would say, listen, I, I know that Peter, Mary, whoever worked on such and such a campaign and I really, you know I'm working with so and so that that you know this person might know mm-hmm. and wanted to bend his or her ear about that. Mm-hmm. I, I had some information that I was trying to glean. I would mm-hmm. just without sharing information that I couldn't share, because some stuff is just confidential, yep. I would try to be as transparent with the person as, as possible. Mm-hmm. You know, and if it's through email, again, it's that that structure has just always worked for me. If if I'm reaching out to an individual and I have their direct email address. First of all, I don't go through the info ad stuff because uh, it usually gets kind of to spam or yep. the wrong person sees it, and you just so I try to get direct emails whenever I can, and mm-hmm. maybe work through a, a mutual contact and say, "Hey, do you have so and so's email?" But I'll reach out to them. I do this now when I'm inviting people on uh, TPNR, the the podcast mm-hmm. we were talking about. Nobody knows me in politics. I'm a nobody in politics, but I'm reaching out to these national figures, mm-hmm. and it's the same structure. It's the same structure. There's a reason I'm reaching out to them. It's because I think something about what they're working on, who they are, is, is, is worthy, is, is, is important, is impressive, is mm-hmm. something that I admire. And I'll try to articulate that in a sentence or less. You know, it's a way to say something nice about someone, again, without kissing their butt, but something mm-hmm. specific. That's part one. Part two is oftentimes I do say who I am or what the project is that I'm working on. Just Mm -hmm. to give them a frame of reference not to go too deep into it but then you know part one is again the the why i'm reaching out to them and why i think they're cool part Mm -hmm. two it may be and sometimes i do leave this out is who i am and what i'm working on and Mm -hmm. then part three is you know you can look at it as the close but really what am i asking for and what i'm asking for is one step or one seed or one rung up that ladder for a relationship i'm looking for a conversation Mm-hmm. I'm not looking to sell them anything. I'm not, looking, I'm not looking to make a sale or for them to hire me or mm-hmm. whatever it might be that the close is. I'm not, mm-hmm. It's not a sales call. It's a relationship call. Mm-hmm. And if, if we get nothing else other than we just had a really interesting conversation for a half hour, 45 minutes, maybe an hour, mm-hmm. great. We, hopefully we learned something and it wasn't a waste of an hour. If, if it is a waste of, of an hour, we'll know about five minutes into it, 10, ten minutes max, and then yeah. we call it a day. Mm-hmm. But that approach, I think of it as edifying or complimenting without kissing butt, introduction, and then the close is, you know, love to buy a cup of coffee, lunch, what have you, or just hop on a Zoom. And if nothing else, it'd be great to get to know you and get more on each other's radar. So that's the structure I've used mm-hmm. to approach these C-level people or national figures in order to get into a conversation with them.
0: So mm-hmm. yeah, thank you for sharing that structure. I think that'd be very helpful for listeners whether they're job searching or just wanting to build connections with cool people that they think is inaccessible but actually is not. It just takes and an that, email. And that's the key.
1: Yeah. The key what you just said, inaccessible, it it amazes me to this day how approachable and accessible all kinds of folks are at every mm. level. Mm-hmm. If you have something to talk about, if you mm-hmm. have something that is of mutual interest to to discuss, you know, if you have points of common connection or mm-hmm. common cause, and you can find that. Yeah. So I'm not saying that everybody's going to get back to you, but it's going to be more than one out of 100 or two out of 100, you know, if you approach it that way. So,
0: yes, in my language, it's finding an excuse to connect is what yeah. you're describing. You're finding that what's the reason or the invitation or the common ground there that they'll likely say yes to. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, On the flip side, I'd like to explore this uh, deeper as well. You mentioned this fear of rejection, and I'm sure you've encountered lots of no's as well as yeses, but I'm curious how your relationship with rejection and I guess how you have responded to it it when you have been rejected.
1: It's a hard thing, man. It Mm -hmm. is a hard thing. I will lose nights of sleep over not just rejection itself, but the fear of rejection. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the... (laughs) So another part of my background, I got into the entertainment industry because I started out as a theater producer, produced a little bit of independent film. And one of the reasons I started producing theater is because I found the audition process to be barbaric. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know... Um, instead of trying to get into other people's plays, I didn't do nearly as much of that because of my fear of rejection. Mm. It was I, it was like so painful to me that they were rejecting me personally. Yeah. You yeah. know, mm-hmm. so I started producing. I don't know if that was necessarily the best response to the possibility of rejection, right? But I think that I think that just do it. You know, just just do it. Bo, Bo knows from the 80s. Bo knows, just do it. Because if you're caught up in the doing of it, you don't necessarily have time in, in your mind to, to, to get hung up on the what if this, on the future tripping. What if this and what if that? Mm-hmm. And, oh, they don't like me. And if you're just caught up in the doing of it, mm-hmm. you know, ironically, or coincidentally, I should say, that's what method acting is. Method Mm -hmm. acting is built around objective obstacle action, you know, Mm -hmm. instead of, instead of a lot of actors have a tendency to have a bit of vanity, like they're watching themselves and trying to re-engineer how they look and how they sound and what -hmm. the audience, and then thinking about what the audience is is thinking of them instead of that, give yourself, instead of saying, don't think that, don't think that it's, you can't not think that you can't not. If I say pink elephant, yeah, not think pink elephant, yeah. but you can replace it with another thought, with another, with another endeavor, if you will. So mm-hmm. in method acting, uh, the original method acting, and uh, is is what is the objective? W- what is this character trying to get? What is this tra- character trying to achieve? What does this character want? And then understanding that character's obstacle. What's getting in the way of that character achieving what they want? And mm-hmm. then going about, going about executing an action. Is this mm-hmm. person, you know, Romeo? Is is Romeo wooing in this moment? Is he seducing in this moment? It's very specific actions. So if mm-hmm. the actor is trying to simply project and look like he's romantic and whatever, mm-hmm. it's bad acting. But yeah. if the if the actor is is caught up in in executing the action of seducing, of wooing. Of mm-hmm. of rem- these specific actions, that's something I can do and focus on, as opposed to focusing on. I wonder if they can see that I have, you know, a zit. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I, and and I think in, in all of life, we can think of we can think of overcoming our fears and our hangups that way. If we get really focused on the doing of it, on what mm-hmm. we're trying to achieve, our mission or our goal, and, and then understanding our obstacles, not so that we get hung up by them, but the obstacle is sometimes to find the specific actions that we need to deploy in order to overcome those, those mm-hmm. obstacles. Does mm-hmm. that, does that make sense? Yes. Okay.
0: <laughs> I mean, the way I just, to, in in other words, how I would rephrase what you said, it's like finding the solution, identifying the problem allows you to find the solution for it. And as opposed to if there's this generalized fear, then, it's no surprise that you'd feel paralyzed by that. But if you can go in very specifically as like, I can do, this is my problem right now. This is the next step I can take. Yeah. And just going at it one step at a time. And yes, also recognizing that rejection is painful because it's, I mean, I'm sure it's wired into our biology that if we're separated from our pack, we would die like in the old times. Right. So it's wired in for us to, Try not to be rejected. <laughs> but also, that's sort of an obstacle to achieving the things that we might want to do in our lives. Yeah. <laughs> that's always holding us back. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. And it's just, again, just getting caught up in the doing of it. Mm-hmm. You know, b- business plans are the same way. Business plans understand what the risks are mm-hmm. with, for, for a business endeavor. What are the risks? What's the, you know, a a common form that that, or exercise that we go through is a SWOT plan, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats. Mm -hmm. This is going through the exercise of understanding those same things. What are are the threats? What are the weaknesses? So that you can really craft out what the opportunity is and what your Mm -hmm. strengths are in order to grab onto those uh, and Mm -hmm. and achieve those opportunities. You know, It, Mm -hmm. it crosses a lot of different realms, if you will.
0: Exactly. Cool. Well, we've covered a lot of ground in our conversation already, and I'm sure we could keep talking for hours and hours. So let's continue our, our relationship. But uh, for listeners um, that are interested in reaching out to you or learning more about your work, where would you want to direct them to?
1: Yeah, thanks for that, Richard. I appreciate that. One of the ways is politicsandreligion.podbean.com. That's the main website for our podcast, Politics and or on social media, you can get me at Corey S and Sam Nathan, Corey S Nathan, and all the other ones of Facebook and the Instagram Corey S Nathan, or mm-hmm. our Talking Politics and Religion without Killing Each Other. Our handle there is at TPNR Pod, T P A N D R Pod,
0: <laughs> it's funny because my editor and I—I I was telling him that um, I'd be having you on the show, and I told him the name of the podcast, and he's like, "What's the acronym for that?" There's no way it's like TP and RWK, oh, like <laughs> without killing each other and like this log acronym. But yes, yeah, it's TPNR. <laughs> yeah.
1: We just call it TPNR. Yeah, we might have to rebrand at some point. Like you know, David French and Curtis—they they have good faith. Or, or friends of ours who have a similar kind of lane, yeah. uh, Will Wright and, and uh, his, his buddy Pastor Bertram. It's, it's called Faithful Politics. I think mm-hmm. their names are really cool because it's, it's a lot shorter than ours, but I don't know. I get to say that, you know, well, what's it about? Stop talking politics and religion, not killing each other. <laughs> there yeah, it is. <laughs> you it's <know>?
0: straightforward. <laughs> uh, awesome. And also, if you have a final message or takeaway you'd like to say to listeners,
1: the first thing that comes to mind is just do it.
0: <laughs> just do it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Or, or a similar thing is, you know, if you're if you're in the muck, if you're going through hard times, don't stop. Keep going. <laughs> you know, don't stay there. I don't know. That, that seems trite, maybe cliche. But I'll say this. This, this mm-hmm. is more substantive. You know, to be really transparent, these last couple of years has been rough for a lot of us. You know, there's been this confluence of historical troubling things that have happened in our culture. And I know for me, when we started to come back out and uh, what I call people again, Mm -hmm. I realized that some of my muscles had atrophied uh, or maybe some wounds and weaknesses that I'd never addressed in the past have really come to the surface. And I'm trying to work through some of those things. If you are, you know, experiencing some of that, in my case, I started just real again, really candid. I hope this isn't too personal, but I started experiencing what I guess are panic attacks for the first time in my life. And I'm an old man, mm-hmm. you know. So it's okay. You know, I I I want to tell myself in a way, like it's okay. Mm-hmm. We're we're all having some trouble, I think. But the what you're doing, Richard, I think is is a salve to that. It's a, it's Mm. a great prescription for something central that's ailing us as a culture and, and connecting with people. So, Mm. so my message is really your message. You know, Mm. if, if you want to, if you to answer your, your last question more directly, it's connect with people. There are good people of goodwill and good faith that are ready to do it. And you're proof of that. So I appreciate Mm. that question. I appreciate you and I really appreciate what you're doing.
0: Wonderful. That's a very heartwarming message. I appreciate um, your kind words. And yeah, I agree. It's, it's okay. I I mean, everyone is struggling with something, whether you can see it or not, and just approaching people with that sense of empathy and curiosity, because you, you never know how much someone might need a conversation as well, like a listening ear. So. Yeah, I think that's a great note to end off on. So thanks again, Corey, for sharing all your wonderful insights. And I'll make sure to encourage listeners to check out any of your work. It'll be in the description of the podcast. So thanks again, Corey.
1: Thanks, Richard. I really appreciate it.
0: Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. Remember to check out the show notes of the episode where you can find a link to my website, excuses to connect.com. There you can find out the other initiatives that I'm working on. The intro and outro music were written by Megan Rennie. You can check out her Instagram and SoundCloud in the show notes. There are also links to leave a voice message, as I'd love to hear from listeners. You can leave a comment or ask a question that might be featured in a future episode. Lastly, there's a link to Buy Me a Coffee. This is a website that supports content creators, where you can donate some money on a one-time or monthly basis. If you love what I'm doing and want to support, you can buy me a metaphorical coffee. Finding excuses to connect is what I love to do, what I'm good at, and what I think the world needs more of. Consider sharing this podcast with anyone who might benefit from it. I hope you have a wonderful day and make some new connections. After all, you never know how any connection can transform your life.